Hello, everyone. This is Dr. Bruce B. Baird, and you're listening to the Productive Dentist Podcast. In this podcast, I will give you everything that I've learned over the last 40 years in dentistry, working with thousands of dentists. I'll tell you, it's not that my way is the only way. It's just one that has worked extremely well for me, and and I'd love to share that with you. So you too can enjoy the choices and lifestyle that productivity allows. More time for things you love, increased pay, better team relationships, and lowered stress. Let's get into it with this week's episode of the Productive Dentist Podcast. Hi, this is Dr. Bruce Beard with the Productive Dentist Podcast. And I tell you what, I am so excited about today and today's guest, uh, Dr. David Phelps, which uh, David has written numerous books on financial, uh, on, on the financial world, uh, from the silent retirement killer, how to outwit the Fed, from high income to high net worth. Uh, how many books have you written, David? We've done six, I believe, at this point, Bruce. That's amazing. Well, let me tell you a little bit about David. For those of you who don't know, David owned and managed a private dental practice for over 21 years. While still in dental school, he began his investment in real estate by joint venturing with his father on their first rental property. Three years later, they sold the property and David took his 25,000 capital gain share and leveraged it into 31 properties that produced $15,000 a month net cash flow. Multiple health crises suffered by his daughter, Jenna, and that's back when you and I first met. Yes. David. Um, she had leukemia and, and had a liver transplant at 12. That caused you to create uh, the freedom to leave the practice and make time for what mattered most. Today, David is a nationally recognized speaker on creating freedom, building real businesses, and investing in real estate. He authors a monthly newsletter, Path to Freedom, and hosts the Dennis Freedom Blueprint podcast. He's also CEO of Freedom Founders, through which he provides hundreds of professional practice owners a blueprint to create freedom in their own lives. And I tell you, Dave, I've, I have been so, I have been so excited about what you've done in helping dentists uh, because we've helped them in the past through Productive Dentists get their production up and stuff and, and, and make more money, but they just don't know what to do. Um, tell, tell our listeners a little bit about what, what it is that you do, kind of from a 30,000 foot, and then I'm gonna dig in a little deeper. Yeah. Yeah, perfect. Yeah, well, well, Freedom Founders really initiated from when I exited my practice some years ago, and I had a few colleagues, uh, just a few handful that just said, hey, you know, I understand why you left practice because of your daughter, but kind of want to know, you know, how did you pull it off financially? Because most of us, you know, I was in my 40s, and most people thinking you're gonna work till you're probably your late 50s or 60s or somewhere thereabouts, right? And so I explained that I did, you know, dental practice and worked really hard on that in tandem with building this portfolio of real estate equities on the side, starting very, very small, Bruce, and, you know, young age and just no big hits, just compounding over time. And that's what allowed me to get free. So when I had some docs asking me, well, how'd I do it? I'm thinking, well, I could show you, teach you what I did, but you're not going to want to know how I did it back when I was in my twenties, because <laughs> today uh, you're, you know, back then I didn't have a family. Uh, you know, I was a single guy and I could do those things. I said, you're not going to want to do it that way, but how about if you want to just piggyback on some of my deals, right? Because I was out there buying, and this was after the 2008 downturn, and there was a lot of properties on sale. And so I had a handful that said, yes, it's fun. And then I thought, well, I could probably just sort of teach this in a very, very informal format, you know, those who want to learn, and, and we will do some business together. And we did. Uh, and that's how Freedom Founders started a little over a decade ago. 
today it's grown a lot. And the reason why it's grown, Bruce, is because, number one, I did not want, want to go out and create a new business called David Phelps Real Estate Enterprises. Uh, you know, I just I, I, I built my own portfolio, but that was enough for me. But I thought, you know, I know people. You know, it's, we talk about relationship capital because I've been in the real estate space for so many years. I know good people around the country. And I thought, well, I'll start by bringing a few of those to my small little group here that's very informal at that point, And I'll just cross pollinate. I'll be a translator. I'll explain how private capital can enter the arena and how it's good for both people. And we started creating this, this little private economy of deal flow in, in real estate investments. You know, again, back 20, 2010, 2011, 2012. Well, it just started to grow organically. I had no vision for wanting to make this thing big or anything. I just, it was just fun. I just enjoyed the heck out of it. it gave me something to do because I was out of dental practice, but it just started to grow over the years. So today, like anything, Bruce, just like PDA, you know, we've just evolved over the years. And as, as we've evolved, uh, we've become more sophisticated in our underwriting and vetting of real estate investment deals, because I feel like even though it's not my fiduciary responsibility, I'm not a, a licensed uh, a financial planner or we don't, you know, we don't sell real estate to people, but I still feel a, a strong obligation to do my very best to vet. And I think that's something a lot of people miss is the vetting, the underwriting of what you're going to potentially invest in. Just like someone who's going to buy a dental practice would want to hire a great team to help them do what? Do the due diligence, vet, make sure all the numbers are in place and that what you're potentially going to buy is what's being shown to you on the front end. Absolutely. I tell you, I, uh, I've got multiple friends and uh, very, very close buddies who've been through the the Freedom Founders workshops and have worked and invested with you guys. And uh, I'm excited uh, because I'm planning on being there in October. Uh, I've, I've heard the buzz. I've, in fact, I've, I've had my own little private courses with uh, several of the guys who've been to your courses and they've explained it a little bit to me, but I'm really excited to actually get there and, and see what happens in, in real time because again, I, I, I feel kind of like you. I don't really have a fiduciary responsibility to my to people who come through PDA, but I just want them to be successful. I want them to be able to to do things that maybe uh, they didn't even know they could do. I, I was just listening this morning to uh, to uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger. It's a, it's he's got a deal on YouTube about you know uh, setting goals, and it's just a ten minute little clip. But man, it was so it's so important to set that thought process up. Now, you and I both started our business as PDA 18 years ago and you 10 years ago, not with a, I mean, we had a vision, but it wasn't clear at that point, but it just constantly uh, keeps getting better and better. And that's everything I've heard about, about what you're, what you're doing. Tell me a little bit, because I know that most of the docs that listen to me are probably watching uh, watching futures and they're on their phone looking to see what the futures are this morning for the <laughs> stock market. And that's not the way you guys play the game. And no, so no. Share, share with me a little bit about your thoughts about what's going on in the economy right now and kind of where we should be looking. Well, we do watch, you know, Bruce, the big wave trends. Uh, no question about it. Uh, you know, the cycles do affect everything. They affect our businesses, our practices. They affect the stock market futures. They affect crypto. They affect commodities. They affect real estate. Everything is affected to a degree. Real estate being an inefficient market is slower to respond to the whip of the, the market cycles. So, Yes, we we don't. I say I don't. I'm sure there's still some people in our group that like to play the game, and I understand it. You know, if you want to have some money and you want to 
play ball and do some trading and that kind of thing. I mean, I get it. That's that can be fun. And if it's a fun hobby and you enjoy doing it with a certain amount of money, yeah, I mean, you should do that. Um, I don't. I just personally, I learned way back over 40 years ago when I started buying real estate, which actually was uh, in 1980 which is very similar to what period we're in right now. People, people laugh when I say, you know, this is my second, second round. Well, yours too, Bruce. I mean, like, I mean, I know we were, we were kind of young kids back then, but in the seventies and eighties, we were going through a period, not very much different uh, in many ways yeah. than we're going through right now with high inflation. Uh, and the fed was trying to do what was trying to tampen down inflation by raising the interest rate. So all those things juxtaposed together, uh, have an effect on the marketplace, the economy, uh, everything. And so everybody's watching that right now, right? They're watching to see what the Fed's going to do. And, and if we're going to have a heavy recession and all these things coming together. So in real estate, we really play uh, as an investor, not a speculator. And there's just like anything you can, you can speculate in real estate. And again, people who know how to do that. Uh, great. But you've got to be like really on top of it, just like a trader in the markets. You know, it's a day, sure. it's a day job. Right. And yeah. as an investor, we play the long game. So you really go back to fundamentals. Uh, are we changing and shifting where we focus our capital investment in real estate right now? Yes, absolutely. Uh, we're more careful about the equities we buy into equities being ownership, whether you're buying houses or you're in a syndication for multifamily or self-storage or something of that nature. Equities are always great to hedge against inflation. Uh, they provide tax benefits uh, and, and cash flow. But when we're at the top of a market, which we really are in our respects. In fact, we're yeah. probably starting to go on a decline. Now, how far we go, that's anybody's guess. But you have to be a little more careful and make sure that you're investing based on the, the company, if you're in the market or in real estate, the, the fundamentals of the asset. What, what are the fundamentals of the company or the real estate? Does it real, does it have a an intrinsic value that even in a recessionary period, people are going to want, buy, you know, use real estate? What, what real estate really holds value throughout reset market corrections? And so you buy on fundamentals to make sure you've got the cash flow margins outside of your normal expenses and the debt service you may be using and debt service costs are going up or they have been going up, they're tailing off a little bit now, but we still have to see how it's going to go. So we can kind of play this long game in real estate without having the gyrations of, you know, checking it every day to see what's happening. And sure. that's just, that's, that's my personality, right? I mean, sure. I just like, I like to play the long game. Then it's enough years that I, I, I have a pretty good idea where things are going and how to hedge steady. against, yeah, stay, stay steady and hedge. Say, say, say and steady, you know, with uh, it seems like it would have been the perfect time over the last eight years to be in the real estate arena. Um, I know that prices have just skyrocketed in Texas with everybody moving in from California yeah. and, and uh, across across the country. And I know you're here in Texas. So, um, I mean, values of, of stuff is just gotten ridiculous. I'm sure that is a help, but then it also makes you look a little bit deeper and more carefully at properties that could be overpriced or, or whatever when you're doing a syndication or whatever it is that you're doing. Is that kind of what you're seeing now? Yeah. Uh, I mean, across the nation, of course, every every market's a little bit different. And that's what's kind of the good part of real estate is you can you can be very local or very niche specific in where you invest. But yes, to your point, you know, we've been both been in Texas for for decades and we've never seen in Texas the kind of run up that we've had in the like the last eight, 10 years. We've always been very slow and steady. And while, that, while other markets, you know, have these big, big, big uh, appreciation pushes up. You know, Texas in the past, you know, had always been still like, well, where, where's our turn, right? And, right. and so we got it. We got, it. and I think a big part of that was because 
investors uh, saw Texas as being, you know, a safe haven because typically when people want to avoid the volatility, they go where to where markets have been steady eddy. And so a lot of money came into Texas after the last downturn. And as a result, and, and other factors as well, it's, uh, it's pushed our market up. So we've seen returns uh, in price appreciation that we hadn't seen before. So back to your point, yes, you have to understand again, if you're buying into the equity side um, in the market today, you've got to really know what your numbers are. Your, we call it your buy box criteria. What's that criteria? If you hold to that criteria, it means you're probably going to pass on a lot of deals right now. Unfortunately, a lot of people get involved in kind of the exuberance of the marketplace. Maybe they yeah. haven't been through a correction before and they've been out you know, doing, quote, real estate or whatever it is they do in the last five or six years. And really, unless you're just really totally incompetent, you know, you, everybody's made some money. You know, every, every, and so it, it, you get this feeling like, OK, well, I'll let my margins get a little more compressed. It's again, it's again like being exuberant about buying a dental practice. You know, you have somebody on the side saying, you know, that looks like a pretty good practice, but, you know, the, the margins are kind of tight. Uh, you know, and if, and if you buy that practice and you lose Delta Premier and, you know, some other things, you're, pro, you know, it's like, yeah, but, you know, it's, it, I just got to go do it. And, and, and you, if you if you belay those those gut instincts about maybe I shouldn't do it and you buy in the kind of speculation mode, like everything you've seen in the past is going to continue exactly as it has. That's where people get into trouble. So having a real stringent criteria on how you invest and what that criteria is, is what we find keeps us safe. Sure. You know, I'm. We were talking about 19, uh, 1980, and my first mortgage was fourteen yeah. percent. I thought I broke the bank. <laughs> I thought it was great because it had gotten up to eighteen or nineteen. That's right. Picking up at fourteen, I came to Granbury, and I was like, "Oh man, I was so excited!" I, I did an SBA loan for my practice here in Granbury, and uh, I got eleven percent fix for twenty years. <laughs> and I was like, "Oh my gosh, this is awesome!" And then later on, of course, interest rates went steadily down after that but uh i tried to refinance it and the actual penalty to refinance an sba was higher than the amount i borrowed yeah. I decided i'll just keep paying this 11 percent. but i think people think that it's gonna say and especially a lot of the docs are listening never maybe weren't around in 1980 i was i was down giving a lecture at the dental school in san antonio last a uh, few months ago and i i asked the question to there mostly we had probably about 100 students there and I said, how many of you were alive in 1980? And not one of them. Well, I'm officially, I'm officially an old codger, you know, talking to you. But I think people, history, you know, it, it does tend to it, it tend, tend to repeat itself over a period of time. With, with interest rates, this is a little bit of a weird time with with um you know, job, you know, the uh, unemployment rate mm -hmm. being so low, yeah. but yet. Yet inflation being so high and interest rates, I think right now, are I mean, they're definitely going up. But do you, do you have a crystal ball of what you think is going to happen over the next uh, next couple of years? Well, I think I think we have to watch and see what the Fed is really kind of mandated to do. And, you know, up until late last year, the Fed had been pretty what we call dovish, right? They were really accommodative. So every time there was a little blip in the economy or the stock market maybe took a little hit or they tried to raise rates in the recent past. And as soon as they saw a little bit of a correction coming on, they were quick to open up the floodgates again uh, and drop the rates and you know open back quantitative easing uh, again. So the problem we have today that we haven't again seen in, in over four decades is the inflation factor. Uh, we see we haven't had inflation, you know, to speak of, you know, in 40 years, Bruce, uh, after after Volcker tamed it, so to speak, by having two successive recessions back in 1980 and 81, uh, we've had 
we've had low interest, a uh, low uh, inflation rates, and we've had steadily, we've come down from those high inflation rates you mentioned back in the 80s. We've gone down over 40 years to next to you know zero. I think we really hit the bottom uh, a year ago in, in July of 2021. Yeah. I believe that the, the long run is we're going to start to see rates go back up. Now, I'm not predicting they're going to go. I can't predict that they're going to go back up to whatever. Sure. But I think we have we have seen probably the end of the, the real cheap money. And again, um, two things, inflation factor, which is also a, a causative effect of the gross amount of national debt that hangs over us now. So back in the 70s, we didn't have this level, this relative level of debt. So so they could raise interest rates to knock down inflation without causing huge havoc, you know, to the economy. You do that now and the problem is the government, you know, can't stand in high, higher rates too much because again that just sucks away uh the ability of, of money from the from the private sector. So the Fed's really between a rock and a hard place. But assuming the Fed and the government, you know, which is kind of playing into the Fed and pushing the Fed, you know, wants to really tampen down the inflation rate, which, you know, it's only been going up in the last year. They're going to have to raise rates uh, to the point where it really do does that. You know, now no one knows exactly what that rate's going to be. Is it, can they raise it, and you know, another point, point and a half uh, and have, have inflation slow down enough? Or, or will the Fed take the foot off the pedal if too much recession happens and then start easing back up again? I think if they do that, history says that they do that too soon to ease back up again, then we're going to have more inflation. And what really affects the long-term rates, you know, well, the, the long notes in the bond is the bond market. The bond market is what really drives our mortgage rates that we use to buy practices or real estate or anything that has a long-term amortization. It's not the Fed. Fed does the short-term rates, but the bond market. So the bond market looks at inflation and says, if inflation's out of control and we don't see the Fed doing enough about it, then the bond market says, then we're going to have to raise our rates because we can't sit here and take low returns in a high inflationary marketplace. Right. But right now, the bond market is looking at the Fed as, as, okay, you guys are going to do this and knock it down. So that's why we see mortgage interest rates come down in the last month from their high, you know, getting close to 6%. Now they're down to low five. It's because the bond market is saying, okay, we, we're, we're, we're staying with you, Fed. Looks like you're going to do it. But if the Fed takes her foot off the pedal, Katie bar the door, you'll see rates go back up again. And I think that's where the Fed gets into trouble. So how the Fed tries yeah. to land this plane, as they say, is going to really tell us what's going to happen, I think, over the next quarters, the next several years. That's a that, that that's a fantastic explanation. It really is, David. I mean, you this is this is straight down your wheelhouse, um, you know, because and the cool part of it is and I'll tell you back 2008, this is me and this is, I think, probably most investors in the market. Maybe not. Maybe not. I'm, I'm maybe I'm just stupider than most. But, you know, 2008 hit and lost 50 percent of my portfolio. And uh, I, I was like good grief. You know, I'm 53 years old at the time, I guess. And I'm like, crap, you know, this is not good. Uh, and I dumped everything out of the market, took every penny out of the market and said the heck with it. And I started Compassionate Finance. So it, 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 it turned out okay, because Compassionate Finance has been a great success. And we uh, recently sold to private equity, but I'm still a part of the company. But so I, I recovered okay, but if I would have stay, stayed the course, I, I, you know, my money would have been back in there in about three years or four years. But it's that fear mm -hmm. of loss. Whereas I, and again, you'll have to tell me because I'm 
I've had real estate, uh, I've had land, I've had shopping centers, I've had those things. I got out of all of those about four years ago or five years ago. Now I'm kind of thinking, I wish I had that income coming in because I just retired a couple of years ago. And I'm thinking, man, you know, it's a little different uh, as an asset-based lender or, or uh, equity, you know. And, and with what you guys do, I can see, yes, prices go up, but if you have assets, those assets are also going up in, in yes. value during that time. That's got to give you, uh, that's got to, that's like taking tongues for an investor. I mean, <laughs> just having that uh, has to be good. And tell me a little bit about that. Yeah, it, it, it really is. You know, to have at least some amount of your portfolio that is driven by, yes, what I call asset-based income. You know, we can go to work uh, in our respective businesses. And again, I'm, I'm, I'm a huge fan of being in business of some kind, whether you're still in your dental practice, growing your practice, multiplying it. Uh, that is the place where you have the best ability to offset market cycles, inflation, all those things. That's just right. what you did when you said you got out of the, out of the market, but you went back into a, a, another business, a sideline business where, yes, is it work? It is, but, but you have more control. It's what I call... Yes degrees of separation from your money. If you're investing your your hard-earned money uh, and financing whatever you use into a business that you get to call the shots, uh, then you, you live and die by that, but at least you have more control. In the stock market, Wall Street, we're so separated from our money. We're just hoping that you know we're riding the big market. And as long as the market goes up, yeah, it feels really good. You see your 401ks and your, your brokerage accounts go up. But, but that market is so emotional. And so, yes, when, when you see a big hit, you're not the only one, Bruce. I think everybody has that fear of like, well, it's all tanking and I just got to get out of this, whatever this is, and do something that I feel is more stable. So then what do, you, what do you go back into? Well, if you're still in business, you can invest in your own business or businesses or side businesses. Or again, my favorite, you know, outside of a business is real estate. Doing right. it the right way and basing the investment on, again, the, the strict criteria that, that one would want to use so that you do have that asset-based income. People say, well, you know, David, isn't real estate affected by the marketplace? Well, yes, it is. Uh, we, we, will, we can potentially see in certain markets, uh, the, the more stable markets that we invest in, we won't see as much of a decline in valuation. But we will see a decline in valuation if this, this, this market correction recession goes on. But here's the key, Bruce. As long as we're investing in, in those assets that have intrinsic utility. And again, a dental practice has that. People always have teeth. They, they might all come in at the same time, but you're always going to have a service to provide. Well, same thing with intrinsic value real estate. People want and will always pay some degree to have a roof over the head. Now, they may ratchet down. They may double up, but we're not going to have people that just abandon ship and go live in tents. It doesn't happen. I've been through enough corrections to see if you have the right utility in the investments you invest in, you're going to be okay. So let's just say the valuation of the, of the asset, let's say it goes down in actual market value by 20%. But- Will my rents or my cash flow dividends go down 20%? I've never seen that happen. Now we've had to we've had to stabilize our rents, you know, during times of market corrections where uh, where we don't get to raise them aggressively because yeah, people are in a recession, they can't pay more. But as long as I've got that dividend coming in, I'm really not, I don't care if the value goes down. It's only when I'm a net seller. If yeah. I have to sell because because I I've leveraged too much or other aspects of my life or business. Uh, I've, I've got I've got not enough margin. Then I may have to find assets, and I may have to sell those. And that's what happens to people that are over leveraged in any market crash. They they have to get liquidity. The banks aren't lending money, so what do they do? They they have to offer assets to the marketplace. And of course, when you do it at that time, you're you're going to offer them uh, unfortunately at, at sale price. And that's where that's where real estate or anything gets quote a not a bad name, but a 
well, you can't, you shouldn't do that because it, it also can, can tumble. Not to the degree in my years of history of, of investing in real estate, does it do it do like it does in the stock market? We didn't, you know, we didn't take a 50% or 40% hit in 2008 in our real estate. Again, I didn't have to sell it uh, back then. I probably would have taken maybe a max of a 20% hit had I had to sell it. But why, why, why would I sell it? I always say to people, yeah. why, would you, why would you sell a great business if you love it, right? If it produces sure. income, now if you're just sick and tired of it and you don't know how to manage it with through other people, then sell it. If you're managing your own real estate, which is what I started doing when I was growing up, because I had more time than money, great. But at some point, you start saying, well, my time might be more valuable doing this, so I'll, I'll pay other people to manage it. And I'll, and I'll take maybe a little bit less return, but then, then the value of my time or just having free time becomes something I want more than just working hard at every day. And I think that's the evolution uh, that we both speak of. PDA, you do in, in helping your docs uh, increase the valuation of their practice without them having to be in there working you know, crazy 12 hours a day, five days a week. That's not the goal. Same thing with real estate. You can start by doing it yourself. If you're young, perfect, perfect way to start. But as you elevate, you want to be able to, to leverage other people's time, abilities to find the deals, to manage the deals. And really that's what we do through Freedom Founders. You bet. Well, I'm, I've had, you know, again, multiple friends that have gone through with you. I remember back when you came through Productive Dentist Academy, you were still practicing. Yep. Um, you, you're a sponge, you know, you pick up information quickly and you put it to work quickly. I, I saw that in your practice. Uh, but in your back pocket, you had this additional way of creating wealth. And, you know, I always admired that. And, uh, and, and I'm looking forward not only to being there in October at your program, but I'm, I'm really looking forward to, to seeing some of you. It's not just you speaking all the time. You bring in a lot of experts from different arenas, don't you, to your to your meetings? Yeah, well, I, th I think it's it's prudent that that we do so, right, Bruce? I mean, a big part of I think what we learned over the years is is it's not just what we know. I mean, that's we all have our own experiences, right? We all, and that's great. You have your own experience. You kind of mine your own experience. Uh, but 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 we find the people we know are also just a a network of resources and and knowledge base. So I love to bring other people in because I tell people, look, I have a bias um, sure. as, as I look things just like anybody does. And so I, I don't want to be the only one. I, I want to play a place where, where people can come and hear from different people about their respective experiences, what they're seeing boots on the ground. This is not theory. This is not, this is not, we're just talking about what's, what we think might happen. This is people actually that are in, you know, in, you know, in, in the, on the battleground on the field. Uh, and mm -hmm. so you want to know, well, what's happening in different markets? So I want people to, to talk about their experiences. And, and then, you know, our group, you can compare and contrast. And I think I want people not to follow a Pied Piper. You know, I don't want, I'm not that person. I have right. my way of doing things. I know what I've done, but my situation is not exactly the same as everybody else. So you need to have point counterpoint and ways to look at your situation that's based on, you know, a, a melding of what you see from people that, again, you've got to have respect. You have to know that they know what they're doing, that they're not just selling fluff, uh, but they actually have real experiences. And that's how I think you and I and other people that, that we surround ourselves with, how we look at how our life in, in our market cycles, in our businesses, in our investments is, is I want to learn from the other people because I'll learn something more than just my own experience. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I, I tell you, um, I've really enjoyed, we've gone almost 30 minutes and I uh, we're going to make uh, a couple of uh, 
episodes of this, if that's okay with you, Dave. I don't think you'll mind. And we'll make no. sure to put up all the Freedom Founders information for any of our listeners because, uh, and come in October if, if they have any openings, because uh, I'll be there and, and we can we can learn some of this stuff together because uh, I've, I've had the opportunity to learn from a lot of really, really, really smart people in my career. And uh, I consider you a really, really, really smart person. But more than that, uh, I know your ethics. I know your, you know, I, I just know you. And uh, the statement you said earlier about, you know, I don't have fiduciary. I just want to make sure everybody gets the best of the best. I, I'm right there with you. And I know that you'll take great care of any of our productive dentists, uh, you know, uh, dentists that come through. And uh, and as, as you know, we'll take great care of any of your guys that, that need that. So, uh, well, Bruce, 100 percent both ways. And and again, I, I love what you're doing because I've watched you over the many years, you know, continue to, to always be upgrading on the forefront of how you're serving PDA members. I mean, that's what you, you know, you, you never stay stale. You're stagnant. You're always on the move. And that's 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 those are the kind of people you want to hang with. And I'm excited about what you're doing with your know, investment grade PDA, because again, it fits so closely with what we do in real estate investment grade PDA. Obviously, what you're doing is helping docs who want to really increase the valuation of their practice, which is what a business should be able to do. It produces cash flow, just like real estate does. But you're also showing them how to increase the value, which is, again, what we do with real estate. We, we do value yeah. add. So, you know, the concepts are similar. And I, and I, and I learned so much in my years of investing in real estate that applied back to business. Right. So they really, there's a, there's a complementary correlation between the two. And I'm excited about jumping back in and seeing what you're doing with the investment grade PDA group, because yeah. again, it just, it fits so well. So I think, uh, yeah, I, th I see some fun coming up here that we can really help specific people with both sides of this, of the coin, so to speak. Both sides of the formula. We brought in David Porritt. We just hired David. David, I, I think you probably have met David before in the, over the years. David and Sandy Porritt, but David um, was the CEO of the finance company for the first five years. When he left that, he spent six years getting his doctorate uh, and his thesis was on job satisfaction of a dentist and a DSO. Wow. And I tell you what, there's more information in that thing. And, and what we realize is, you know, everybody's getting these unsolicited offers for their business. And what I'm seeing, which is kind of interesting, is I'm seeing 34-year-old guys 37 year old dentist saying, Oh, I'm going to get a million and a half dollars. They sell. And, mm -hmm. and the problem was that with that is all they've ever seen in their career is an upcycle. You know, That's every, right. if I could just get a million and a half, put it in the market and have it continue to grow, I won't ever have to work again. And I think they're getting a real rude awakening right yeah. now. Uh, that is that is pretty scary for everybody. So that's kind of what the investment grade practice. Let's let's make sure we let's make sure we look at offers that you're getting to make sure you know who's figuring the EBITDA of the business. Yep. It's the DSO. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's right. Not, that's not you know when the buyer's figuring out your value. <laughs> that's it, it's you're gonna you're gonna get hosed. And yes. uh, I remember uh, I remember years ago uh, Greg Stanley. I don't know if you remember Greg sure. Stanley. Oh, yeah. Courses. Whitehall Management, but Greg, uh, I, I went to one of his first courses and I, it was really weird because I'm sitting in this room, everybody in there was 55 and I'm, I'm like 32, you know, and I'm, I'm listening to Greg and I mean, and I, I'm pretty excited about all this. And one of the guys said, you know, they said, you know, you can get good deals on equipment or good deals on this. He said, now, if we all got together 
could we get a better deal? He said, no, you'll just get hosed together. <laughs> and, you know, so at that point, that point, I realized, yes, we are. We, we have a special gene that comes down to us. So anyway, Dave, thanks so much for spending time with us this morning. And uh, I, I look forward to, to seeing you in October and September, hopefully coming to the PDA workshop. So uh, and all the information to reach uh, Freedom Founders will be on the uh, be on here on your screen. So. Thanks a lot, David. Bruce, I'll see you soon. Thank you. Thank you for joining me for this episode of the Productive Dentist Podcast. If you found this episode helpful, make sure you subscribe. Pass it along to a friend. Give us a like on iTunes and Spotify or drop me an email at podcast at productivedentist.com. Don't forget to check out other podcasts from the Productive Dentist Academy at productivedentistpodcast.com. Join me again next week for another episode of the Productive Dentist Podcast.